Welcome to the Around the Corner podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Hemminger. We're here to talk all things Cleveland Guardians minor leagues with my fellow co-host, Matt Schlichting. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Been a nice Thursday. It's It's been a nice week for Guardians prospects. We, had, we have some exciting news to report for yeah. some of the guys that we track and some other really fun performances around the system. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wild, wild couple weeks here, and especially more recently. So let's just dive right into it. Let's kick things off with news about the Cleveland Guardians' number one prospect, Daniel Espino. He was out with an injury to his terrace major, as listeners of the podcast will likely be aware. It looks like he has been shut down. Again, and will be evaluated on May 1st. So not the greatest news for the top prospect. Yeah. Basically, if you've been following along with the Daniel Espino storyline is he was shut down in spring training with some shoulder issues. Then all of a sudden, you know, early to like, I think around April 10th or 12th, we get this amazing news. Hey, Daniel Espino is going to start up a throwing program again. He's looking to uh, potentially be back by, uh, you know, June maybe. And then like literally a week later, he had more shoulder inflammation, more pain. And now they had him scheduled to go see a doctor and be evaluated. So it's not a good thing. Honestly, it seems extremely likely that he's headed for surgery. It is interesting because I'm looking at an article Ryan Lewis, the Akron Beacon Journal, published, and they have a quote from James Harris, Guardian's assistant general manager. It, it at the end says, then you can either start all over and you can shut him down and then he can go to plyos and play catch, or you can have him see a doctor. We chose to have him see a doctor to make sure that we're on the right track. That sounds like... I don't know. Let's make sure he sees a doctor and whatever it is he needs to be healthy and playing baseball again is what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have a bad feeling that we're going to be getting some uh, some surgery. I don't know. It's just It just seems destined at this point that he, he cannot, like that shoulder is just not healing. So, I mean, we'll find out. I will. I would love to be proved wrong. This has just been such a frustrating bit with Espino because the talent is there. I mean, literally a year and about two months ago, people were comparing him to Jacob deGrom. Like he's the next big thing, possibly the best fastball and best slider in all of minor league baseball and makes it four starts into last season, then has a knee issue, then has a shoulder issue, and then another uh, re-aggravated shoulder issue, and now we're on the third re-aggravation shoulder issue. So I don't know. At some point, you just have to cut bait and and take that risk with the surgery if he's not. It's not healing naturally. I'm not. You know, I'm not in there looking at all the X-rays and everything. So this is more pure speculation than anything. But yeah, it's just super frustrating. We can only hope for the best. Yeah, 
we will bounce back here with some very fun news about the number two prospect in our system, Gavin Williams. Brian. Yeah, extremely good uh, news with Gavin Williams. So first off, he had two starts. The first start, he went, I believe, about five no-hit innings and got Eastern League Pitcher of the Week. So that's pretty good. And I think over the past two weeks, because we're not going to count his start today, but he went 10 innings, um, struck out one. I don't think he struck out one. Uh, Walked two, allowed a run, had a whip of 0.6. And I'm guessing he struck out 11, is my guess, based off of the K per nine that we have of 9.9. And then, uh, yeah, just... Fantastic. I mean, FIP was 1.5. I mean, everything is just screaming dominant. And because of that, he finally did get promoted to AAA and had a start today. We'll be talking about that in our next podcast, but uh, spoiler alert, uh, he went five shutout innings in his AAA debut. It is very good news. (laughs) Yeah, extremely. I did make a typo. It was 11 and not one. My reverse math. We have since updated the spreadsheet to reflect the correct total. At this time, though, how can you not, with especially the way Bybee and Logan Allen, who we'll get to, both of them, um, with what we've seen them been able to come up to the major league level and do, and you see how Gavin Williams has been performing, things are getting very exciting. It getting extremely exciting. And as we've seen in Cleveland's history, AAA is not exactly a level that they are just like, you need to prove yourself a AAA first. If they believe in you, they believe in you because of what you did before you got to AAA. We saw that with Bybee. Um, we'll be talking about Bybee a lot more very, very soon, but he only made three starts at AAA before they call him up. Uh, Logan Allen only made two or three starts this year before they called him up. And in the past, I think Playsack only made like three or four starts. Bieber made about seven or eight starts. Savali made about seven or eight starts. Like if if they think that you're a legit major league starting pitcher, you're not going to be pitching at AAA for very long. I have some thoughts on that, but we'll save them until after we get through all of these guys, all of the pitchers on the list. The good news is with as we will get to Allen and Bybee, but with them performing well and hopefully sticking around, they won't need to call up Gavin Williams unless there's another injury or somebody else it just craps the bed. They can at least afford to wait till past like the Super 2 deadline or something before calling him up. But hey, if they need to call him up, I think he'll be ready. We've got a uh, George Valera, our number three prospect. What's he been up to? I haven't heard any news since um, the last time we met. I'm not on social media really at all anymore, so it's a little bit harder to keep up with injury news for some of these guys. But last I had heard, he hadn't quite yet started baseball activities. Um, Basically, he's getting close to a return to AAA. That's basically all I've been heard. That was the update about a week and a half ago. Um, just that his rehab was a little slower than initially expected, but he should be there soon. I mean, all things are pointing to, to him arriving shortly. That That's really all I know at the moment. It'd be nice to, to have him out there performing right now, though, because, I mean, with the way our outfield has been producing so far, like in terms of power, 
it'd be nice just to have an extra bat potentially uh, in Cleveland's outfield by the end of the season, but he needs to be, you know, activated to AAA before we need to think about promoting him to to uh, Cleveland. And if it's going to be the summer of George, he needs to be healthy. My big fear is like he shows up and takes two swings and then shakes his wrist again. No. <laughs> I'm sorry for even putting that thought in your head. He's going to come up with perfectly normal hands and wrists. You'll see. I'm shaking mine right now. We're just we're really excited to see him finally. I would not be surprised mashing. if he has debuted before by the time our next podcast airs in two weeks. Speaking of debuts, what can you tell us about Tanner Bybee? How do, how's has his last couple of weeks been? Well, he's had two starts. The first was at AAA, and it was by far, I think, the worst start of his professional career. So of course they call him up to Cleveland after that. <laughs> Um, and then he goes and just blows everyone's minds. Like everybody is ra- ranting and raving about Tanner Bybee. He made his MLB debut. Um, he went five and two thirds innings, eight strikeouts, no walks, six hits, ERA 1.59, uh, 34.8% per K rate in that start, FIP of a one, uh, 1.04, I think. I mean, just elite absolutely elite he was disgusting he got up to 99 miles an hour and of course that was the pitch he hit charlie blackman with and the the crazy part was he didn't even have like his best fastball command in that start he had command of everything else like his slider was insane his changeup was perfectly placed uh the curveball was you know a little high but the fastball was kind of all over the place you know he wants to normally keep that a little down and on the edges and he was just pushing it because he was overthrowing it. And then when he was trying to pull rear back and put a little something extra on it and get him to swing at that, you know, that high fastball in the zone or, or up at the letters, he was just whoosh, like over the head level. So he did not have his best fastball command and that, and he was still that good, like watching him pitch and masterfully get guys to chase after the slider and the changeup and everything and double up on the changeup and have trust to throw his off speeds the like one or two times he fell behind an account. I mean, he looked like a veteran major league pitcher. He looked as good as any Cleveland starter has looked all season. Now, I know it's the Rockies, not in Colorado, but they have some pretty good hitters on that team. And he made some of them look silly. Like he struck out six in a row at one point. So... Yeah, it was it was special. And and what's hilarious is his previous start before that, he walked five. Now, granted, if you watched that game, I have never seen an ump squeeze a pitcher like he was getting squeezed. And he was getting visibly frustrated. Like, I would guess that three of those walks probably should have been strikeouts. <laughs> um, and he just was not getting calls. No, he ended up working through it. Yeah. Which, especially in... A player's first start, you go out, you don't. Well, I'm talking about he was getting squeezed in the minor league start before the MLB start. He was fine. I remember on the Discord there was some discussion about early in the game. Uh, I don't think it was was that bad. It was, no, I I was more talking about his uh, minor league start before this. His composure, regardless, continues to be great. Oh, yeah. I mean, this kid is ready. 
if they send him back down, it is literally only to manipulate his service time because he is right now the, their next best pitcher after Shane Bieber. And there's nobody else even close. It's very high praise. Yeah. I mean, when Tristan McKenzie comes back, I would still probably have McKenzie ahead of him as long as McKenzie's healthy and ready to go. But I mean, in terms of potential, I think higher than Bieber and McKenzie at this point. I mean, he is disgusting. Well, uh, moving on, we've got a, a certain uh, shortstop prospect named Brian Rocchio. How has he performed over the past couple weeks? In 11 games played, the young man made 51 plate appearances and slashed 341, 412, 402. Ooh. That was good for a WRC plus of 119. Uh, that's pretty neat. He stole six bases without getting caught as well. More walks than strikeouts. I think he's been on a hitting streak longer than that amount of games, too. So, 341, 412, 402 from your shortstop. I know he's still at AAA, but uh, he had some very nice numbers to start the season as well. And he's still hitting well. The only thing he's really been missing is, uh, you know, that elite extra base pop. He's, he's been hitting doubles, but I'm a little surprised he hasn't gone yard yet, but... Um, that'll come, and the good news is his uh, strikeout rate has stayed really low, and the walk rate looks good. Like like he's getting on base, he's making solid contact. Seems like he's, uh, you know, what do they call buying into that Cleveland approach? The one thing is we still have some other players at the shortstop position slash middle infield, so he could continue to play at a very high level at AAA and perhaps not see an opportunity too quickly. But. Yeah. For those of you that, you know, weren't living under a rock, he did get called up and sent right back down the next day. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> did even not get play. to play. But he did get to take the lineup card with him as a souvenir. But it was more he got called up as an emergency in case something happened because I think uh, Rosario had his back bothering him and Tyler Freeman had a collision. So all they had was Arias for shortstop and they decided to just call him up and have him sit on the roster for it. I don't particularly consider it a call up if a guy doesn't get to touch the grass. You know what I yeah. mean, Brian? And, and Cleveland did that twice last year. Peyton Battenfield got called up and I think was with the team on their trip to Toronto as like the, the backup for a uh, Mr. Anti-Vaccine, there was a stretch where they called up Carlos Vargas for like a game or two and then sent him back down without playing him. Well, what can you tell us about Bo Naylor this week? Uh, you know, Bo, he didn't quite hit as well, but dude still getting on base. So over a stretch of uh, 13 games played, he slashed... 255, 390, 404, which was good for a 111 WRC plus. Um, struck out 25% of the time, which is a little off-putting, but balanced it out with 18.6% walk rate, which is disgusting. Well, he even had a game with four walks. Uh, he did hit uh, a double, a couple home runs, knocked in 12 RBIs, scored eight runs surprisingly has not stolen a base during this two-week stretch or even attempted one because he didn't get caught either. So after stealing 20 last year, so I don't know what's going on there, but considering how much he's been on base, that's a little surprising, at least in my opinion. 
what I'm most excited about to see here is the on-base percentage thing. Yeah. Because over the years, as we've talked about his performances, what we noticed and talked about in some of the prior shows is when he continues to get on base, it only leads to a little bit more contact, a little bit more power as he continues to get comfortable. Yeah. And, and having a good eye at the plate makes you at least semi slump proof because sure, when you're swinging the bat, maybe it's not going as well, but you're still getting, taking your walks and getting on base. Like even when Josh Bell was having his struggles, there was a, a good stretch at the beginning of the year where he was just walking all over the place. Then, of course, you know, he had a, like a week there where he stopped walking and was just swinging at everything. But um, but for the most part, if you've got a good eye at the plate, that really shortens your slumps. And I think that makes you a better prospect. Uh, next up, we've got Will Brennan, who looks like he's starting to run out of time in our top 10 because he's been up at the major league level uh, all season so far. And he finished uh, last year for about the last few weeks on the major league club. So I don't know how much more uh, rookie status he'll end up having, but um, it might only be a few more podcasts before we have to replace him. So in his time playing for Cleveland in the last couple of weeks, he slashed 238, 292, 333. He's a WRC plus of 40. He didn't have the best luck on balls in play, but looking at the numbers overall here, a couple of doubles, three runs scored, four driven in, one walk, he did lean into one and, and end up stealing a base to help the on-base percentage a little bit, but something I'm wondering, looking at his statistics, uh, moving through the minors, is he didn't post the best walk rate at AAA either. It was a little bit down from the 9 or 10% that he had when he was coming up through the system. Do we think walk rate might be a concern if we don't start to see him taking more bases at the major league level? I don't think so, because, I mean, he is still a guy that goes out there and has really good at-bats. I mean, even on those at-bats where he doesn't walk, you're seeing him get, you know, nine, ten pitch at-bats. So I think the walks will come. I think just he's just not quite finishing those those good at-bats. And that's really been the difference between him and, like, Oscar Gonzalez, who, you know, really only is getting walked if you are not anywhere near the strike zone. I think he'll be okay. It's just uh, it, it's just a matter of finishing some of those at-bats. So the next guy on our list, number eight on the countdown, Angel Martinez. Yeah, Angel's actually in a little bit of a slump here. He is at double-A right now, and over his last uh, 12 games, slashing just 128, 208, 234. Uh, WRC plus at double A of 26. Now he has been hurt by a 0.156 BAPIP. Uh, but I think the scariest thing was the 28.3% strikeout rate compared to just the 9.4% walk rate did hit a home run and a triple, but he only had six hits in 47 at bats and 53 plate appearances. So he is struggle bussing pretty hard right now. And no stolen bases and one caught stealing. The strikeout rate bums me out. He didn't really have much luck, but the strikeout rate bums me out. I'll say it. It's a bummer. Yeah, I think he's just pushing right now because he played double A last year and it didn't seem to be that big of an issue. Um, And if you looked at his strikeout rate at double A last year, it was 17.5%. 
And guess what his strikeout rate was at single A for the first half of the season before he got promoted to double A? 18.1. 17.5%. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, gosh. So, so he was exactly the same. Like he really didn't change anything. So I just think he's off to a little bit of a, a slow start to begin this year. I mean, he, he was a little bit better the first couple weeks, but definitely, you know, slumping right now. I'm sure he'll snap out of it. I think I saw he had an RBI double today already. So that'll count towards next week, though. But we'd love to see it. Yeah. I mean, the talent's there. He's just going through a stretch where I think he's pressing and he's too good for this to last for a long period of time. I mean, we, we see that consistently. Like, you know, Rokio had his stretch last year where he was struggling and then all of a sudden he was the hottest guy in the system. So it's just there's that's just how it goes sometimes with some of these players. Well, moving on, we've got another very exciting top 10 prospect to talk about, and that's Logan Allen, because he did something pretty special. He went ahead and made his major league debut, and it was glorious. He pitched six innings. Yes. Struck out eight. Yep. Five hits, one run, one earned, a home run and a walk. He was fantastic. He was sensational. And his his one run allowed was a solo shot. And that's the thing about Bybee, too, was his one run allowed was get me over double down the line that Josh Bell was moving in slow motion to try to stop. And then a bloop off the end of the bat from Chris Bryant that Oscar Gonzalez should have caught. And if Will Brennan had been playing the right field, would have easily been caught. So um, I think uh, it's, it's a really good sign that both of these guys did so well. But did you get a chance to watch Logan Allen's debut? I was listening to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I was watching it. And I loved how hard he was attacking hitters. He was just in the zone, in the zone, in the zone, pounding the zone with his fastball. And and I think he got up to about 94. And I've heard he can get 95, which is great for a lefty. But man, he had really good command of his off speed. He's got a filthy changeup that I think what's hilarious was... The Marlins, I think, sent nine right-handed batters against him to try to, you know, get that lefty versus righty matchup. Fools. But his best pitch is his changeup, which is lethal against right-handed bit batters because it goes away from him. And basically, he just kept setting. He, he, he'd get ahead of them with his fastball and then strike him out with his changeup. Like, he's been facing right-handed batters his whole life. <laughs> I think if you want to throw him off, throw a few uh, lefties at him because he's added this sweeper and it's and he's been increasing the percentage he throws it. But uh, that's still a little bit of a in-development type of pitch. Like, that changeup is refined. I mean, he had one of the best changeups in that entire draft, uh, the 2020 draft. So... Um, he feasted on the Marlins. I mean, he was wonderful. And he's getting another start on Sunday at Fenway. Yeah, I like um, a guy taking some time to tear into very big fish. <laughs> and he did. He really, he, he carved them up. I mean, what more can you ask for than six innings in a run and eight strikeouts? I mean, it was one of the best rookie debuts of all time in Cleveland history. I would right up there with Bybee, with... Tristan McKenzie, who went six innings, one run, 10 strikeouts. 
if you remember against the Tigers, and then obviously, you know, go way back in history and have Herb's Herb score and Louis Tiant or Tate. So yeah, it was a tough one for me to be able to watch since it was a, in an afternoon game. But uh, yeah, that does following make it along trickier. was very exciting. Do we have any updates about Chase DeLauder? Yeah, our number 10 prospect. I do actually have an update. It's nothing crazy, but uh, he resumed baseball activities out at extended spring training at the Goodyear Development Complex. And as of April 14th, he was not participating in any extended spring training game activity yet. And at the time, there was still no timetable for his return. But And that update was given 13 days ago. But he had resumed baseball activity, so he's out there swinging. Uh, he's out there, you know, probably uh, running, um, doing a, just testing everything. But have not heard anything since that update. But he is in Goodyear, resuming baseball activities. So I think the timetable was hoping that he'd return by by June, and I think that it's still probably in that realm, um, possibly earlier. Because uh, we did find out that he had the surgery, and maybe the update they gave was after they found out about the surgery, which was like a month or two after he had already had the surgery. So we'll find out, but uh, I can't wait to see him. And I hope that this isn't like a recurring issue or it doesn't bother him this year once he does finally resume. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you know, we've still got a lot of really interesting hitting prospects from that draft that are performing really well right now, but we'll get to them. Yeah. I think that does it for our top 10 prospects and how they performed. So now it's time to uh, switch on over to our top five of the week and what a top five it was. So first off the guy I'm going to start with here, this is slightly misleading because it is in a smaller sample size because he did get called up to the bigs and uh, and I did not include those two games. Although in those two games, he did have a, two hits, including a double and scored uh, at least one run. Um, but during his six game stretch in the minor leagues, Tyler Freeman went off, slashed 520. 625, 840 with a WRC plus of 277, struck out just twice, walked four times, got hit by three pitches, stole five bases, did not get caught stealing, did a little bit of everything, three doubles, a triple, a home run, scored 11 runs, does not have much to prove at AAA. I'm hoping that Tyler Freeman continues to play with the kind of energy that we have seen that he can. Uh, it's exciting to see him be that aggressive on the base paths. And as always, he's continuing to be willing to lean into a ball to get on base too. Um, I'm hoping he gets an extended shot. I want to know what his secret is on getting hit by pitches. I mean, Jimenez does a good job of it as well, but Freeman is just taking it to another level. Like he's outpacing Brandon Geyer's like major league record. Yeah. It's he's from another planet when it comes to this and if he can do it without getting hurt and spending any time on the injured list, that rules. <laughs> so the next guy on our countdown, a player by the name of Juan Brito. Yeah, his slash over a 10-game period is 361, 478, 556. Pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's ridiculous. 
he did have a, a BABIP around 364, but compared to some of the other guys on the yeah, list, that's low. The, the numbers end up looking pretty <laughs> sustainable. Walking almost 20% of the time in 19.6. Strikeout rate down at 6.5. Four doubles, added a home run, stole a base. Three times as many walks as strikeouts. Yikes. That's crazy. Well, you got to remember, when he was up in spring training, he led all of spring training in walks. I'm talking every MLB player, too. Dude knows how to take a base. I don't understand how we keep... It just feels like there's certain organizations, the quality of player they give up, or at least what we're able to turn them into. It just feels like, like how did we get this guy? I know how we got this guy, but how did we get this guy? He's a dude. Yeah. Basically, I think the reason we got him, and we got him from the Rockies in the Nolan Jones trade is he was an international prospect. So they had to add him to their 40-man roster, and they had to do it while he was still at single A. And he was still at the basic single A, not even high A. And uh, I think Colorado, you know, was maybe a little impatient with him. And they wanted a guy that was closer to Major League Ready right now. And they didn't want him to sit and take up a 40-man roster spot for another three years and wait, and we took advantage of that because we really liked him, mm-hmm. and I can see why. Well, and something I'm keeping an eye on, this goes across the board for minor league players, is especially keeping an eye on the walkout rate and strikeout rate as we read the early season numbers here. Those tend to be what stabilize first when we're looking at sample sizes and on Effectively Wild last week. They mentioned, um, I don't know if it's technically McCracken's law or postulate theorem, but he had a, a saying that any players kind of capable of putting up any numbers in a 100 plate appearance sample. And so Brito so far at high A for Cleveland, 66 plate appearances. So in the second half of that range, but we could still expect some randomness from this. But you start to get a little bit more confidence in things like walk rate and strikeout rate earlier than some of the other numbers. And he still has his strikeout rate cut in half from 14.3. And that's after moving up a level. It's the lowest it's been of his career. Um, His power staying at the same level. Like his bat pips, even the lowest it's been of his career. So he's not even like making the best contact yet. And um, he's, putting up a 157 WRC plus through his first uh, 14 games at high A. So considering he's already on the 40 man roster, I don't think he's staying at high A for very long. Like the only thing that's preventing him from moving up to double A is the fact that we have like Angel Martinez and Jose Tana and a few other guys at double A right now. Like the second we get at least a little bit of this, middle infielder congestion sorted out. And I think it'll probably take a trade. I doubt they're going to be releasing anybody. Um, I think he's getting promoted immediately. He looks like he deserves it so far. Yeah, he's Uh, been sensational. To your recollection, how often a player at high A, would they be that quick to move up? Injuries sometimes can make it fuzzy. Yeah, but typically Cleveland waits until they get to play at the... uh, their all-star game, and then they promote. Like, that's the t- the normal path on regular progression. 
But I think Brito might be a special case just because he's a trade acquisition. He already performed really well at spring training at the against major league guys. And they started him at high A, which is he'd never been at before. He'd only ever been at like the Lynchburg level of regular full season um, before this. Um, and the way he's already performing at high A, I mean, I think they should promote him. <laughs> I really do. He doesn't have much to prove at, at high A. Like, let's let's get him against some tougher competition. I would be in favor of this. So many shortstops still. Yeah. It is still a thing somehow, Brian. So many. It's not and, a bad he's thing. Just, yeah, he's just another one in that fold. I mean, right now we've got, obviously, you know, Arias and Rosario and Freeman and Rokio. And then you've got Tana and Angel Martinez. And now you've got Juan Brito. The next player on our countdown is Mike Colado. It is pronounced Mike, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, it, it might be Mike or Mike, but I think it is Mike. And it's spelled M-A-I-C-K. This kid is fascinating. He was, I believe, part of Cleveland's 2019 or 20. I think he was their 2019 international signing class and then was getting ready to debut and they canceled the minor league season in 2020. Jerks. So, yeah. So in his age 18 season, he uh, debuted in the Dominican Summer League, had a pretty good season, uh, showcased a really good eye at the plate, you know, had a 111 WRC+. Then last year in the Complex League as a 19-year-old, he was fantastic. Um, he ended up uh, walking 15.7% of the time, striking out 15.7, so exactly the same. Uh, hit a couple home runs, had a 141 WRC plus, slashed 310, 425, 429 over a 35 game stretch. So this year he's debuting at regular full season, his first taste of full season ball, and he's at Lynchburg. And this dude is an on base god right now. So just during this past two week stretch, he slashed 364. 519, 485. So more than 50% of the time, he's getting on base. During this two-week stretch, he had 15 walks in 11 games compared to five strikeouts, stole a couple bases, hit a home run, hit a double, had 10 singles. So he's he's he can hit, he can walk, he can run, he can hit for a little power. Um, I think he plays first base. In terms of measurables, I think he plays first and third, but he's been playing a lot of first. He's only 5'11", 160, so just, and he switch hits. So just wait till this guy puts on some weight. The dingers could be plentiful. Yeah, I like this guy a lot. I like him a lot. His walk rate right now for the season is 25.4% compared to 11% strikeout rate. And this is his first time he's ever faced full season pitching. Hopefully, as he continues through his first year of full season ball, we don't see any fatigue issues, etc. It would be very nice if he can, I mean, heck, if he can add on to this, that would be yeah. ridiculous. But. Like, like what's exciting about it is it's not like passive thing that he's just not swinging at all because he is still swinging and he's hitting for a good average. So, yeah, I'm excited about this guy. I really think that he could be, uh, you know, Somebody that we're going to be having on our prospect list here soon, which once 
a lot of our guys at the the upper level start graduating. And uh, next up, we've got a pitcher. I'm very interested to hear Matt first off pronounce him and then talk about him. Ward Quellen Vasquez. Nailed it. Damn it. I don't know anything about Ward Quellen Vasquez, <laughs> but what I can tell you is that he appears to be a reliever, given that he made no starts. In eight and two-thirds innings of work, he managed four hits, one run, which was earned, presumably on the home run that he allowed. Only one walk and nine strikeouts with one hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, his FIP came in at 4.04, but his ERA was 1.04, and his whip was 0.56. Yeah, so those are very enticing numbers, Brian. And I, I wouldn't put him in the reliever role just yet. Every one of those, he had three relief appearances, all about three innings each. So is so he piggybacking? For he's the most been part? piggybacking, and not only has he been piggybacking, he was named the Carolina League Pitcher of the Week this past week. So that's also why I included him. Was he was honored. So we had two pitchers named their pitchers of the week this past week with uh, Gavin Williams and the other one, Ward Quellen Vasquez. I wonder if there's any correlation between how often a player in the minors as they're coming through the systems gets one of those weekly awards and production in the majors. It's yeah. Just, I have no idea. But what what's, you know What's so interesting about this guy is, at least to me, is Cleveland has a really good history of drafting pitchers and working with them. They don't have a great history of signing international pitchers. Like name, name some international pitchers that Cleveland brought in from like the Dominican or Venezuela or somebody that made it all the way up to Cleveland and did great. It tends to be hitters where they focus internationally. International, it's almost exclusively position players that become the the elite prospects. I can't, I'm not having a name that necessarily comes to mind. The only ones I can think of are Danny Salazar and I guess Carlos Vargas. Um, You know, maybe uh, Gene Carlos Mejia very briefly was was a guy that, you know, I guess Luis Oviedo. But like even those guys, you know, they kind of, topped out at the upper levels of the minors um, other than Salazar. Are you, these would be guys that we signed and then developed through the system. Yeah. Like guys that we signed internationally. Like I'm not counting like Carlos Carrasco that we traded for, like in terms of international arms, almost it's almost exclusively been position players that, that we are, that we do a good job with, with those guys, whether it's, you know, Rokio Valera and, you know, Jose Ramirez, yeah, um, college pitchers. Yeah, but it, and it's you international know, bats. That's that's kind of been our mo. But I've been really liking what I've been seeing out of Vasquez. Um, um, he had uh, let's see a two point two eight ERA in the complex league last year in uh, nine games. So his strikeout rate has been typically uh, just over ten per uh, nine innings. So this is interesting. I like I like bringing up that it's very rare to see an international pitching prospect. Yeah. I mean, you look at the starting rotations of Cleveland at almost every single minor league level. It's almost all college pitchers that they drafted. Yeah. So that's, I like the idea of, I don't, I don't know if he's cupboard worthy. Yeah. Basically what they have is um, if there are some international guys, they, they typically maybe are some bullpen guys. And then even then, they don't always make it. 
most of the time they don't. So feels like most of the time they, they're just, they're signing guys so that they can fill out their teams at the Dominican league. <laughs> and then occasionally some cream rises to the top. And I think uh, Ward Quillen Vasquez is uh, one of the better international uh, uh, arms they have right now. It's kind of like they're going against their normal. It's not that they never sign pitchers internationally, but we'll see. Thank you for bringing him to our attention. Next, a man that we have had a lot of attention on. Yeah, Logan Allen. Yeah, Logan Allen. We'll bring him up again. Uh, <laughs> two starts, uh, 17 strikeouts, two walks. I mean, that's just insane. So including his major league debut with six innings. So well done, Logan Allen. Much deserved top five of the week mention. And I cannot wait to see what he does at Fenway. I really hope that he has a great start there too. And that it wasn't just, you know, a mirage against a crappy Mariners or a Marlins team. I I love everything I've heard, uh, the way that he's been using his pitches, the way that the cutter's been working for him. And as we talked towards the end of last year, yeah. is he possibly, is he working on something at AAA? And these aren't really numbers that we should care about. Sure looks like it. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he put all those worries about how he finished, how, how he handled his AAA debut last year to, to rest already because all three of his starts at AAA were terrific. And then he gets called up to the bigs and he was terrific again. So it's I terrific. hope he's here to stay. And we, you know what? We haven't had a guy, a left-handed starting pitcher that we developed that became a guy since Cliff Lee and CC Sabathia. You're hurting me. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, I know. I mean, we've had a lot of other ones that we tried and it just hasn't worked. So like, I guess maybe the best one before that was like TJ House. <laughs> yeah, I was rooting for Juan Hillman. Alas. Yeah. So this is this is this is awesome. So I am really pumped about Logan Allen. So Brian, are you excited for the corner cupboard this week? I am. The one last thing about Logan Allen. Oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. I just want to give a shout out to all those people in fantasy baseball that accidentally added the other Logan Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's brutal. Like they just typed the name in and went, Oh yes, he's still available. <laughs> I'm going to, who am I going to drop to pick up this Logan Allen? <laughs> they think that they're getting, I'm, I'm imagining them watching Logan Allen start too, going, this is great. And they pull up their stats and go, oh. Oh, why is he still in AAA in, in Colorado? <laughs> no, he just got, you know, we DFA'd him and that's where he signed this year. Oh. So. Was it the team account? Someone shared a tweet recently of, they did the math on like the statistical odds of ending up with two major league baseball. Players. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. Very cool. Um, is it cupboard time? It's cupboard time. Yes. <laughs> well, I want to hear an update on you. Uh, it's been a minute, but we, you've had a, uh, you know, last week wasn't the best or last episode wasn't the best for your guys, but I, I'm hoping to hear some good news this time around. So Jake Fox, Continues to be the batter in this portion of the cupboard. I did a little bit of digging around and wasn't able to find out for sure because I'm wondering if he sustained an injury because he played five games. Okay. Those were all last week for the most part. 222, 304, 444 in those games. That little bit of extra slug was enough to give him a 106 WRC plus relative to the league. Uh, a lot of strikeouts. 
nine of them in 23 plate appearances, but did manage to steal a bag and hit a home run with a double. Potentially trending in the right direction, unless it turns out that he has sustained an injury. But I, very I have hard not to seen, get that kind of news. Well, I can tell you right now, there has not been a transaction listing him on any injured list. I see somebody asking Cleveland Guard Pro, where's Jake Fox been? And that was just a couple hours ago. So maybe we'll have an update for you soon, but it might not be in time for the podcast. So I'm I'm assuming that whatever the issue is, it's more of a day-to-day thing, and they didn't think it would be bad enough that he would need to be placed on an injured list. We will keep our fingers crossed. I know this isn't real baseball, but there is an out-of-the-park baseball league that I'm in where a guy had an undisclosed injury for eight months and came back from it, and it's still undisclosed. Ooh. It's the most mysterious injury I've ever even heard of. <laughs> what did he do? Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, how did your hitter do this week? Yeah, my boy uh, Joe Lampa. Um, or is it, is it Lampy? I Lampy. always forget. It's Lampy. Okay, Lampy. He was sensational again. Um, batted a 333 with a 415 on base. 361 slugging. So he's... He's been slapping the ball around a little bit. Ended up in uh, 41 plate appearances. He walked five times, struck out eight, stole two bases, did finally get caught stealing. Had 11 singles and a double. I think what's crazy is out of his five walks and 12 hits, he scored one run. That's just a testament to whoever's batting behind him not getting the job done. Drive this man in. Yeah. Come on, guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's still, you know, he is the only position player and college guy from the 2022 draft that started the year at high A, and he's still putting up solid numbers. You know, 134 WRC plus over this stretch, and his last stretch, I think, was like a 277 WRC plus. So he's still doing great. We love Lampy. We do love Lampy. It's very simple. Well, how did your uh, pitcher do? Jack Leftwich made a couple of appearances. One as a starter, one coming in as a piggybacker. It was a three-inning appearance. I'm assuming that's what he ended up doing there. Did earn the win. So in the first one, he, in those three innings, gave up two earned runs, two total runs, struck out one, four hits. Not terrible, but not great. In his other three-inning appearance, he retired them in order and struck out four. Yeah, so, perfect. It was yeah. three innings perfect baseball. Pretty delightful. So altogether, that gave him six innings pitched, strikeouts per nine of seven and a half, a tidy strikeout rate of 23.8 against his zeros for walks per nine and walk percent. I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say he had a strikeout to walk ratio of 23.8, and we're talking about six innings, but it's good stuff. That is good stuff. And then... uh my corner covered gentleman, Parker Messick, who was, you know, the second pitcher drafted by Cleveland last year. Um, he had two starts combined, went eight and two thirds innings. The good news, only one earned run allowed, although the bad news is four runs. Uh, so three were unearned. Nine strikeouts, which is fine. Three walks, which is okay. Um, so the ERA was great at 1.04, but. Uh, the FIP was not at 4.73, although the WHIP was excellent at 1.04. Only had six hits allowed. 
So out of those two starts, one of them was sensational and the other one was eh, basically. And he basically, the eh start only got saved because his teammates made errors that made those runs unearned. So he was good, not great, but hopefully we can get a little bit more consistent because the one start was terrific. I'm excited about this guy. Yeah. I think he's going to be good. Um, the only real issue is I think he just needs to add a little bit of velocity. That, that'll that really set him apart because right now he's a little bit more of a soft-tossing lefty, uh, much softer than like Logan Allen. I think you know he's going to have to add a few more miles per hour if he really wants to uh, take that leap in the Cleveland system. Brian, hear me out on this. All right. N- no to the extra velocity. <laughs> he is the chosen one. He will be the soft tossing lefty that we need to shield us from the ones that always annihilate the Guardian. <laughs> I was just gonna say, uh, I'm not, I'm not left handed, but if I took the mound and threw left handed, I'd probably throw seven shutout innings against Cleveland right now. <laughs> like, I know they're not actually that bad against lefties, but what they it are? Just, it feels like it's the, the only lefty they year. hit. The only lefty they hit through 98 miles an hour, Lazardo. <laughs> like, they can't hit the guys that don't throw hard. <laughs> I don't know why. It makes no sense. The lineup is, should be better, much better against lefties than it was last year. And they just can't do it right now. I'm hoping it's just some early noise. But yeah, me too. I do like the idea of Parker Messick being a ward. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do we have... Other than the major league promotions. Yes, we do. Do we have some injuries and transactions we'd like to discuss? So there are actually quite a few. The the biggest ones, well, we'll just briefly recap that the three big things were obviously Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee getting promoted to the major leagues, Gavin Williams getting promoted from double A AA to triple A. Like those were the three legit promotions. So nobody else really got moved up or down that was like anything other than like an org guy filling the spot. Now, to to get Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee up, we had to make some moves on the 40-man roster. And, so, and that meant a couple prospects actually getting DFA'd, not veterans. We, Even though we're not using our third catcher, we decided to DFA Brian Lavastida instead. So he is currently waiting for another team to potentially scoop him up to their 40-man roster. I doubt they will. Because, you know, he's a catcher that has not been playing great for two straight years and is currently a double A. Um, So we probably will get him back. And then Connor Pilkington got DFA'd. They they let him pitch a couple innings at the major league level. And the next day they're like, later. And I think he is going to get picked up somewhere. I mean, he throws, you know, low to mid 90s as a left-hander with a good changeup. I think somebody's going to pick him up, and we are pro- we have probably seen the last of Connor Pilkington. I mean, somebody picked up Kirk McCarty last year when we DFA'd him. So if they picked up Kirk McCarty, somebody's going to pick up Connor Pilkington. This means the end of Pilk. Yeah, the Pilk man. Um, in terms of uh, the, the other move was Tim Heron uh, getting optioned back to AAA. A. Um, you know, he had that amazing start with – striking out the first four batters he faced and they were all really good hitters. Um, You know, major league, you know, first time in over a hundred years in the MLB. And he just hasn't quite been able to recapture that magic. So been a little too hittable 
struggled a little bit against right-handed hitters. So hopefully can be cruel. Yeah. Baseball can be cruel. And of course, Sam Hentges is probably going to be back in a couple days. So we might not have a need for a hard throwing left-handed reliever. Another one. Um, And then other injuries. This one was interesting. Wilfredo Antunez uh, outfielder at Lynchburg uh, got injured and already activated in the time uh, since we've uh, had our last podcast. So he got hurt and then is already back to go and going again. Uh, I, I like him a lot, so hopefully uh, it wasn't anything, it clearly wasn't anything serious. And then a Press Kavanaugh, a guy who was our top five of the week last week, uh, he was added to the seven-day injured list with, I think, a leg injury. So hopefully that's not serious. But, you know, I was told he the, was the fastest guy in our draft last year. Um, and I hope that it, you know, he can come back soon too because he was off to a very nice start at Lynchburg as well as a as an advanced college bat that we had drafted. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Lynchburg, by the way. They are stealing bases. Like, if you think they're stealing a lot in Cleveland, Matt, you should see what Lynchburg's been doing. They stole 12 bases in one game. That's sick. It set a major league or minor league baseball record. <laughs> they, they've they stolen, I think, 60 bases already. And Cleveland is the major league leader at 30. And they've been playing a week fewer games. I, I love the pace that they've established at the major league level. But if they're doing it down at Lynchburg and even harder... Yeah, that's an interesting sign for the overall organizational philosophy, too. Yeah, because hmm. because we've got a guy named like uh, Nate Furman, who was a really high, highly drafted, I think, like third round uh, second baseman. And he's got double digit steals. And yeah, they're, they're, they're just stealing like crazy down there. It's it's awesome. That's just something to pay attention to. Like we might, you know, if this continues, we might start like a, uh, a Lynchburg steel tracker or something added to the podcast. Well, I mean, they already stole 12 in one game. That's reason <laughs> enough to see how many yeah. they can. You said they're at 60? I think so. On the season. What are they going to do? Try and steal 400 bases? Uh, a friend of mine was saying he wanted us on the podcast to keep track of bizarre minor league happenings. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Guy Lipscomb has 11 steals. Nate Furman has 10. <laughs> Jose Devers has eight. Juan Benjamin has seven. Lexer Sadui has five. Mate Collado, who we mentioned earlier, uh, has four. Angel Zarati has three. So yeah, they are just stealing fiends. And so, Press Kavanaugh actually had not stolen a base yet. This he hadn't even been went, added to the list yet. This made me pull up the list of all-time single-season leaders for the minor leagues. And oh, there's bases. some ridiculous ones. Billy Hamilton, 155, <laughs> Bakersfield, Pensacola Reds. That's a lot. And it looks like I was wrong. It's They're at 53 so far. Still. How many total games is that now? 14? 10? Uh, looks like there's been about 18 games. Maybe a little bit more. They're on pace for about 470 stolen bases or so. They should stretch for 500. 400's not dreaming big enough. Don't listen to me. Hey, if they could steal a uh, twelve a game, then just you know try to set that record again. I want thirteen. <laughs> we need a baker's <laughs> dozen stolen bases. I just want to know, like, how did that catcher feel when he went home that day? <laughs> the whole defense has to feel terrible. <laughs> They're just running circle around you, like literally. That, I could just picture that catcher doing the, like the Snoopy walk. The <laughs> 
it would be appropriate. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, it is possible to generate EE Gaming's like content without from... actually using EE Gaming's. Yes, there is a, and I don't. I'm not sure if these guys wanted to be a known thing or not, so I'm not going to say it by name. But there was a website that also did similar things based on a random number generator, and that's still up. So EE Gaming's is still out there if you're a, if you so choose to go find it. Can I go ahead and share this particular piece of his poetry? Absolutely. <clears throat> when Freddie Freeman was attacked by a guitar in one of the busiest stock exchanges in Los Angeles, it convinced Andrew Friedman of the curse and sent out trade feelers. The twins are interested. 